And Dom Sibley has averaged more in Test cricket than Virat Kohli. And Dom Sibley has been dropped <laughs> from an awful England team. If Virat Kohli doesn't get dropped from arguably the best Test team in the world, yet an England opener averaging better on worse batting tracks gets dropped in a significantly worse team, then I think we need to have a look at the BCCI and their selectors. <laughs> I think there's something seriously wrong here. Welcome back to Cricket Central, the podcast where we discuss all the big stories and many of the small ones. I am Ted and with me as always are Pearson and Ethan. Uh, good to be back again. We've managed to do two podcasts in two weeks for once, so uh, we're being a bit more consistent than we have been in the past. Uh, how are you both, Ethan? How's uh, life been in Melbourne? Yeah, not, not bad. Just enjoying the weather for the time being before things, things get a bit cold. So yeah, it's been good. You're back to uni now. You told us last week a three-week break or something you had. So uh, yeah, I, I, I haven't been back. I haven't been back yet, but it's two two hours tomorrow. So big day. Wow, that must be a surprise <laughs> to to come back in. Uh, and uh, Pearson, I presume everything's been heating up for the election coming up. All sorts of dramas going on in Canberra. Yeah, it's same old, same old. Lots of annoying politicking. It's really not too exciting to anyone that's not a political hack like me. But otherwise, I'm doing fine. Yes, very good. Um, and uh, not, not too much happened in the past week, wouldn't I think? But there's always the IPL one with some uh, great individual performances to discuss there. Um, then Pearson will give us a bit of a county rundown. Um, which I'm sure, which well, I'm looking forward to with great uh, expectation. Uh, and, uh, and we've got some Vox Pop for uh, the first time in a while also. Um, and on that note, we'll get on to the IPL just to run through um, the standings as of at the moment. Haven't been a few changes um, from last week. The Lutmeow Super Giants uh, have jumped ahead of Gujarat uh, to be in first place, Gujarat in second, Rajasthan third. Royal Challengers Bangalore jumped into the four. Uh, and then Delhi Capitals, Sunrisers, Hyderabad, Kolkata Knight Riders, Punjab Kings, Chennai Super Kings, and the Mumbai Indians rounding up the rear, uh, still looking pretty poor. Them, although I think they did get one win, didn't they? But anyway, we've got um, the very avid follower of the IPL, Ethan Prabs, with us here. Uh, what, what have you uh, seen in the last week? What's, uh, what have been the big, big events that have, that have happened? Well, it's been an interesting week. I think the most notable event was the fact that the the bottom team, Mumbai, somehow managed to beat the, the then top team, Gujarat. And I think one of the features of the IPL this year is the competition where pretty much anyone can beat anyone. Uh, there's no obvious you know, poor side like there has been perhaps in seasons past with Sunrisers and like there is in, in Australia with, with the Melbourne Renegades. I mean, it's always good when, when there's no sort of dud games and, and you go in thinking, oh, you never know who's going to win. So, yeah, in, in that game, Mumbai uh, batted, batted first, six for 177. Uh, finally, Tim David got, got a bit of a hit. He hit 44, not out of 21. It was a, a solid effort. I also like the fact that 180 seems to be a par-ish score in this competition. I think it makes for a bit more interesting cricket. Um, and Gujarat, in reply, couldn't get there, despite hitting Jasper Bumrah for 48 off four overs. Um, it was actually a, a great last over from Daniel Sams 
from memory, Gujarat needed about eight off the last over and, and Sam's took one for three. Um, so that, that was certainly probably the, the highlight of the week. And then yeah, Bumrah... I was, I was hoping you wouldn't bring that up because, uh, yeah, two of the players, uh, I've slammed a bit, Daniel Sam's and Tim David performing well. Tim David getting um, compared to Kyron Pollard by some of the Mumbai Indian supporters there. So good performance by him, but sorry, go on. Yeah, well, well honestly, whatever they're, they're paying Kyron Pollard, it's it's too much. Because uh, <laughs> it, he's been abysmal. He hit four or 14 in that game. So he's channeling his, his inner Lendl Simmons in the World Cup there. Um, but but you're right, it, it's, Tim David's got more balls and, and he's, he's batting well. I mean, I, I personally think he should just, just be up the order, um, batting in that three or four spot because, yeah, it seems, he seems to be a bit wasted. With, with some of the touch he's in. Yeah, um, then, he's had one he's had one innings and we want him over. A couple him. good games. It, yeah, yeah, couple, it's, yeah, it's been a couple on the run, but everyone looks good, I suppose, when you compare them to the Mumbai batsmen. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and and Boomerah bounced back from the, the none for 48 off four by taking five for 10 uh, off, off, off four in the next game. So it just, just shows you T20s, that sort of game where and anything can happen, really. Um, and speaking of anything happening, you know, Good Gujarat in their first nine games were eight wins, one loss. They've now lost two in a row, whereas Lucknow have won four in a row. So perhaps we'll, we'll see some division starting to form there at the top of the table. Um, but but Chennai actually look quite a good side now that they've brought Devin Conway in. There's been a couple of nice partnerships actually between him and, and Guy Quad there. And interestingly, even though they're second last, they actually have a positive net run rate, whereas someone like uh, RCB in, in fourth have a negative net run rate. So they, they have been actually winning their previous games quite convincingly, which has been a bit of a feature recently. We've seen a, a couple more one-sided games than we previously might have seen. MS so, Dhoni, 21 off eight, I think, as well. Big performance yeah. by him. I mean... It might be a confidence thing with him, but in previous previous seasons, he's just been a shoo-in at seven, but now he's actually starting to become a bit of a floating finisher, which, which I think you, you want your, your seven to be that floating finisher. We've, we've seen it with Bangalore and Dinesh Kartik because like if you bat six or seven and you're actually coming in at six or seven, you only get like 10 balls, which often is, is just insufficient. Um, I, I think KKR should do it more with Andre Russell. Send them in at like the 14 over mark. So I can actually make a bit of bit of an impact on, on the games. Um, but yeah, it, it does seem an advantage to have that, that real power player at, at number seven and, and the sides that can pull it off. You, know, you, get, you get an extra 10 to 20 runs and a bit of momentum for the second innings too. Very good. And Pearson, uh, what have you seen? Yet again, I won't diverge too much from that. I do think one of the fun bits to watch has definitely been Mumbai's failures this season. It's been interesting to break down why they've been poor. I admit for many a year now, I've always been convinced that Kieran Pollard is not good at cricket and he's finally proving me right. It took about 300 wickets and 10,000 runs, but he is now falling away. I do think he's in this interesting position now in the way that RCB pick their future well not so much captains but their internationals going for because I do think Deval Brevis is a better shout at least on form than Pollard is whether you need Pollard's overs is a separate question 
but that does bring that into question, particularly now that they're missing Suryakumar Yadav, who's just been ruled out for the remainder of the season. So that, admittedly, they have, I think, has mathematically been eliminated from the finals. So it is a bit of a nothing season. But I am curious to see, at least going forward, how they run with that. I mean, there are rumours that they're trying to sign some players or shift some people about. I know there was a rumour the other day that they'd bring in Pat Cummins. Why they want to do that, I have no idea. Although the idea of a Bumrah Archer Cummins pace bowling trio is quite attractive. Um, looking well, I at think other sides, Cummins Cummins has destroyed them twice this season, hasn't he? Were that, was his fifty? Yes, he has. Rosa? I think. And then he got three for twenty-two. His best IBL figures three and over <laughs> against them also. So I can understand why they want to get him in. Yeah, that's that's a fair point. I think the, the other thing to note will be tonight's game is of interest. I think it's tonight's game. I have a tendency to get dates of IPL matches wrong going by last week. But I, from memory, tonight is the top two playing each other in Gujarat and look now. Please tell me I'm right, someone. Am I right? Ethan, come on. Uh, anyway, if I am right, that does become interesting because I believe Rajasthan and RCB are advantaged by different sides winning tonight's game. So there's more hanging on this than one would imagine. Was I right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah you are right. Yeah, good. Okay. Good. I'm quite proud. He's on time this way. Very good. But that that will definitely be of interest. I think ultimately the top four's for me at least pretty much set in stone. I don't see Hyderabad making it anymore. I think it will be RCB, Rajasthan, and the current top two playing tonight. But it's been an interesting season. There's not been much else that's really caught my attention, to be honest. It's Bearstone Bear had a good, good performance game. for once, 56. Um, yeah, but I'm not, I'm not sure that means he gets away with every failure he's had for quite a while. <laughs> No, there's not. There's if he does it again, then I'll brag in next week's podcast. But he's not done enough yet. Also disappointed to see Butler's. I mean, he's still doing well, but he's not. I don't think he'll beat Coley's record anymore. That makes me sad. Uh, How many rounds is he up? I reckon he's on about six. Okay, and he needs nine seven two, I think, or nine five two. It's something like that. I'd be amazed if he did get there. He's probably going to need another couple centuries. But you never know. That's an incredible the other, record by The Cole. other wow. fun stat mm. that was I... Was that 2016? In this one. No. Yeah, I think, I think that's was, right. 15 yeah. or 16. I think it's yeah. 16. The other interesting stat to bring up is by impact ratings, the two worst batsmen in this season's IPL have now been Williamson and Coley. And I can't imagine many were predicting that a few months back. And I think that's probably been a trend of a lot of the tournament, of the established players have failed. Even, I mean, you look, even the established teams, Mumbai and what you call it, not Sunrises, the other S, that's not actually an S, Chennai. I don't know why I thought they were an S. <laughs> those two, in theory, they've been historically the two strongest sides and they're failing. We've had top batsmen fail. We've had maybe less so top bowlers fail. Although there have been some players like a Bishnoi that I thought would kick on more than they have. And I think that's set up an interesting... IPL, not just this year, but going forward, if there's a bit of a switch in the strong side of the tournament, particularly if these new teams keep their good form up. Mm. Well, yeah, on Coley, got a golden duck. Um, and uh, there were some 
some good uh, photos going around with, uh, you know, that one that often comes out the duck. And then I think we had Faf getting 73, Maxwell 33. And uh, yeah, kind of saying a, a tough, tough day out there for, for, for batting. <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, on on that RCB game, Hasaranga, we would be amiss not to to bring up Hasaranga, even if just for uh, Navod, an avid fan of the show and has been on a few times. Uh, five wickets, great performance there by him, Ethan. I mean, yeah, leg, leg spinners get get your wickets. That's it, it. Makes you wonder why someone like Adam Zamp is just not not in the competition. When you see the success of people like Jahal and Hasaranga, but yeah, I, I think I think we expected him to, to do well, and he, he's got his token five for, and I'm I'm sure Navad will be gleaming with that. I think I think it was posted on the Instagram yes, story, so it was. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's, it's been enough enough enjoyment out of that. <laughs> Yeah, perhaps. But on that, on the the broader uh, topic of spinners, who would you say has been the best spinner so far this tournament? Because there's been a few who have who have put their name up. Uh, maybe Pearson. for me, it's Chahal. I think I think Chahal's been the strongest. I actually think to some degree Hasarong has gone under the radar. I've at no point thought he's been having a that great of a season. Yet he's second in the wicket taking charts for spinners possibly for all bowlers. I don't remember the pace statistics. So I do think he's gone under the radar. Other than that, no one's been that impressive. If you're looking at economy rather than wicket-taking, Sunil Narayan's been very, very impressive. For expected strike rate versus actual strike rate, meaning essentially the aggression of the shots played versus the actual outcome, there's been no greater discrepancy than with Sunil Narayan's bowling in which he's gone at a strike rate of about 80 when they've attempted to hit him at a strike rate of 115. An interesting point with that would also be they're trying to play him out at a strike rate of 115. So they're not trying to hit him out of the park and failing. They're trying to keep him out and still failing, which suggests that he's been very, very effective. I do think his batting's dropped off a little, but for me, he, alongside Chahal and Hasaranga, whose batting has also dropped off a little this season, have been the three standout spinners of the IPL for me. And I'm maybe missing people, though. Would you would you agree with that, Ethan? On oh, Narayan, he's become a bit of a cult hero, it seems. I always see posts yeah, yeah. about him as well. It's, a, it's, a, it's good mm. to see. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I think I think I just remember from Sonoli Bowl, managed to bowl a maiden in a super over. And, and anyone who can yes. who can do that has 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 my respect. But yeah, he's sort of notorious for being very hard to pick and, and unplayable. I think ideally with your leg spinners, particularly with your import leg spinners, you want you know the you want wickets as well as uh, low economy. And I think someone like Jahal and Hasaranga have been perfect at that. Um, whereas you know some of the criticism of people like Mujib when he's played in the big bashes. Like they, they go at six and over, but they don't take too many wickets. Um, and if anything, you, you'd you say Narayan is so unplayable that it's it's almost detrimental because he's only taken eight wickets in 12 games compared to Charles' 22 in 11. Um, but but it's certainly, like, if you want if you want tight middle overs and an economy, I think leg spinners and mystery spinners are the way to go. Yeah. And Rashid Khan, has he has he played, has he missed a few games, Rashid Khan? Just sort of in the middle, really. 11, 11 games, 11 wickets, 
6.8 economy, 27 average. So again, I think he's been traded with a bit of respect. Um, mm. And again, probably hasn't got the wicket pull that he typically gets. Yeah, it does seem pretty difficult for those sort of mystery spinners to keep performing at such a, well, you know, they keep performing, but as you say, people play them a bit more sensibly and, you know, they don't mm. seem to have the huge amount of wicket hauls that um, for year upon year. Um, a few more things before we move on from the IPL. We have to mention David Warner, 92 of 58, uh, to help their Delhi Capitals beat um, Sunrisers Hyderabad. And another interesting, impressive result um, that I saw were the Lucknow Super Giants really showing their bowling strength um, with a 75-run win um, over the Knight Riders. I think kept uh, Kolkata to, to a, just above 100 or, or something, I think. Um, with Jason Holder and and Avesh Khan both getting three wickets. Um, Would you, last week, we sort of said Rajasthan was probably the best side, even if they were still in third. Has anything changed that this week? Um, And then on Gujarat as well, dropping a few games, why do you think that is? A a couple of questions there, but um, Ethan, uh, take us away. Oh, it's it's hard to to explain, really. I think... What last thing I've got got going well is I, I thought they replicated sort of Mumbai setup from previous seasons really well. You know they've got two very solid openers in Bicock and and Rahul, and they've got a strong bowling attack too. I think they've got depth in it. But yeah, as you mentioned, Avesh Khan, Boatsen Khan, Bishnoi have, have all been very very good, and and the likes of Holder as well. We saw what he can do with the the four wickets against England in that T Twenty game. <laughs> Thanks I think, for that. That's, that's, yeah, that's always good. I, 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 I had to, to take a glance at Pearson's face to see if I got any this reaction there. Trying <laughs> to tune out, I think. Yeah, yeah. I am. I'm completely he's, tuning he's, you out. He's, he's taken the headphones off. He's, he's gone, gone to <laughs> I'm tuning you out and yeah. reading about Dom Sibley on my phone. That's what I'm doing <laughs> at the minute. Oh, no. But, but yeah, form's, form's always going to be an interesting thing in, in T20. And Lucknow have won four in a row. If they win uh, tonight against Gujarat, you'd probably back them to be the, the minor champions. And really, when we get to finals, anything can happen. Um, sure, Rajasthan may be probably the, the strongest on, on paper. But um, as we've seen with probably Gujarat's success, form can take you know the big names out, out of the game. And I think we might be seeing Gujarat's form and their luck slightly peel off at the wrong time but you never know what happens when things get to the finals and Pearson yeah I'd agree with virtually all of that I think momentum can't be understated and I think if there's anyone that's got negative momentum it's Gujarat at the minute I think they got lucky quite a bit earlier in the season particularly with those random games where they needed 30-plus off the last two overs and somehow won, which I think they did multiple times. So I think at some point that did have to come at least to some degree unstuck, and I think that is happening. I still think they're a solid side, but I still don't think their even just their list in general is winning quality. So I, I still don't back them despite reasonably good performances for a while. I still think it could be any, really, of the others. I think RCB have that firepower that others don't. And let me see if someone like Coley does stand up and perform, that could make things interesting. 
However, they are a bit hit and miss again. But I think you could say that of pretty much every side in this competition. I think Look Now and Rajasthan for me are the two favourites. I think I specified Rajasthan last week, but I think Look Now are definitely in the frame. I think they are still a bit over reliant on runs from Kale Rahul, but beyond that, I think they're a solid enough side that they should be able to at least come close to winning. I think it will be one of those two. Which one is very much up for debate? Okay, well, yeah, as we said last week, you've still got a fair few games to go um, with big game on tonight. Also, I may, may even have to tune in and watch a full full game for once. Uh, I've been too busy watching Carlton 6-2 and two at the moment. Just had to get that in there. But, uh, very impressive. Anyway, um, that wraps up the IPL for this week. Um, and, well, the, the, the people have been speaking again. Um, so it's time to to uh, to throw a few hot takes at you guys. Um, this one um, from from Swapnil. I don't really think it's that hot anymore. I think we've sort of known this for a little while. Um, but he says that Coley is in fact human. Um, probably a fitting time to say that with the latest Golden Duck. And you know, as I say, not a huge hot take, but we do love a bit of Coley bashing on this podcast. So it's good to get a bit more in there. Um, uh, let's think. I'm trying to make this a bit more interesting. Is there a is there a, a time that uh, India could be looking to drop Kohli? <laughs> That's probably a bit too far to take it. But uh, you know they, they've got they've got a fair bit of depth with some younger players um, coming through. Uh, and now that he's not the captain, you know, not sort of automatically in the team. Um, you know what? <laughs> Is there a chance of that in the near future at all? Come on, someone support, make this interesting here. Pierce. I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out on a limb here and say he shouldn't play their next test match. That's my controversial call of the day. I'm going to really go out on a limb. Um, I think they've just brought in two replacements for Pujara and Rahane in Vihari and Shreyas Iyer. Shreyas Iyer has performed very well. I don't think you can drop him. I think that would be very harsh. I think Vahari, despite his admittedly mediocre test figures, which I know Ethan is always very eager to highlight, I think he probably deserves a run in the side at some point. And really that leaves the number four spot. I think if we're looking at players that have batted four of late, you have to look at Pajara again. Pajara has been dropped down the order to number four at Sussex. Admittedly, it's a Div 2 side, but he's not only played... 45-year-old Englishman. There's been he played Shaheen Afridi and uppercut him for six last week. But he's hit, he's played four games. He's hit two tons and two double tons. It's been a remarkable run of form from him. He's in the top three run scorers in County Cricket this season. He's reasonably, he's arguably on track to become the first player since 1984 to hit a thousand runs in county cricket by the end of May. So it's not that he's just doing well. He is doing exceptionally well. And I think if you want continuity in your side, you don't want a player who wafts at the ball outside off stump. And you want this new type of India that's got less of an ego, which seems to be what they've been going for of late. Then let's get rid of Coley and have a revolution. And let's only see him in ODI cricket because he shouldn't make the T20 team anyway. I don't know why that's still up for debate. He's useless at that. So let's get him just in ODI cricket, bin him from tests, bin him from T20, and happy days. Well, Anyone agree? Well, you've convinced me <laughs> very much so. That's as uh, 
I can I can get on board board with this. Um, but uh, enjoyed yeah, that. I think it's perhaps it's a bit like shooting Bambi getting rid of Coley. Uh, Ethan, surely they couldn't do that. Yeah, no, I don't think I don't think it'll happen. I, I'd love to see actually what what would happen if they dropped him and then he fought his way back into the side somehow through selection. How well, playing when your spot's on the line, I'd, I'd hope he wafts a bit less, but but you never know. Um, but it, it is an interesting point. He, he used to be at such superhuman levels, and and now it's almost the other way around. It's almost so poor. It's 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 inhuman. Like, hasn't it a hundred? And <laughs> I, I, I've, I've stopped counting. Oh, yeah, yeah <laughs> I've, I've stopped counting, really, since since when, when that last time was. It. And we keep saying, like, oh, when it happens, things might change. But how, how long are you going to wait? You know, India is a, a great team with a lot of depth and yeah, people they, are banging on the, the door. Thing. They do have a lot of young players that are sort of missing out. Like, even going mm. to some others, like, well, an open, I guess, in Privy Shore and a few others as well. Like, it, it's does almost get to an extent where they're stopping them coming through, doesn't it? Yeah. And and now that he's not not captain, you you think how much, how much is he bringing to the side? I mean, there's, there's still going to be an element of, of leadership there, but in, in all formats, he's, he's keeping someone out. And, and we've spoken about, you know, how good Surya Kumar Yadav has been. And, and maybe even he could come into the, the test frame if, if someone like Kali wasn't there. As Jason mentioned, I'm not a fan of Bahari, so I I I still think Coley is a big enough name to to keep on on the team sheet. Um, but it'll it'll be interesting if there's another sort of four season, and we'll we'll see what the fans start to think now that he's not captain. The Indian well, fans do have a, a tendency to turn on turn on their own quite quickly. <laughs> yeah, I've I've got a fun fact for you. Since the start of 2020. Hanuma Vihari has averaged more in test cricket than Virat Kohli. And Dom Sibley has averaged more in test cricket than Virat Kohli. And Dom Sibley has been dropped from an awful England team. If Virat Kohli doesn't get dropped from arguably the best test team in the world, yet an England opener averaging better on worse batting tracks gets dropped in a significantly worse team, then I think we need to have a look at the BCCI and their selectors. <laughs> I think there's something seriously wrong here. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm looking here. If I run through this list, he's barely in the top 10 for averages. He's averaging 28.03 since January 1st, 2020. That's not good at all. Yeah. I mean, admittedly, Rahane's averaging is. 24 and Pajara's averaging 26. Oh. But... Pajara's figures in domestic cricket, I reckon get him back in the side here. So goodbye to Virat, I say. And if they don't, then I reckon something's being rigged in the BCCI <laughs> and we should blame them. Well, yeah, wouldn't be the first time I wouldn't say. But uh, yeah, as we say, it's all academic probably, but it is an interesting hypothetical for all of us non-Indian fans. Uh, anyway, we'll move on. We've got one coming in from someone who was well, an inaugural member of this podcast, um, but she said that he doesn't want anyone to know that they're from him. I'm not really sure why, but uh, I think... I think <laughs> well, you've really kept it, kept it closed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I think it would have become quite clear from the, the nature of the questions also um, as a known hater of uh, the English, um, and they definitely have that sort of, of focus. Um the first one uh, is that Joe Root is England's worst test captain. Oh, 
I didn't see this last part, actually. Is England's worst test captain since Freddie Flintoff. Ah, originally I thought he was saying the worst test captain of, of all time. Uh, but since Freddie Flintoff, uh, well, I'll, I'll give a few uh, stats here. A win percentage of, well, obviously he's, he captained the most tests. So he has the most wins uh, as well as the most losses as captain. Um, but a win percentage of 42% which is lower than Vaughan uh, and Strauss, uh, but higher than Alistair Cook, actually, um, with 40%. Probably the big thing going against him is only two Ashes wins um, out of uh, 15 um, in his time as captain. Uh, that's, you know, really the main thing you have to do as an England captain. Uh, Pearson, what, what do you think about that one? The stupidity of the question allows me to reveal his name. So my response to Vasanta ship is that I, I think I think it's true. And I think if your barrier is Flintoff, then there's two yeah. captains to choose from, which is Strauss, who presided over probably our best team since arguably the immediate post-war era, and Alistair Cook, who was also underwhelming, but probably a bit less so. I, I, don't, I don't think it's anything too shocking. Had he said worst since Mike Brearley, it would have been a far more interesting question. Well, it is worth noting that if you exclude Strauss and Vaughan, there is no captain with a better win rate for England than Joe Root going all the way back to 1980. So he's, he's not done great. But he's not done that badly either, I think, is the thing to take away. He's inherently mediocre. And I think that pretty much explains most England captains throughout modern history. Strauss was very good. Vaughan was very good. Brearley was very good. There's not many others you'd pick out of there and go, they were excellent captains. There's a lot you'd say, ah, eh, they weren't awful. They weren't great. And I think that's basically the way you describe Joe Root. He was good, but he was nothing special. And he didn't, I think the other thing to note is he didn't have a great side to work with at any point. At no stage during his test career were we really challenging to be the best side in the world. We were just hoping to get third best in the world behind any of New Zealand, Australia or India, or at one stage South Africa, I think we're up there. So yes, he's the worst since Flintoff, but it's a largely redundant question. I think you've got to look further back than that to spare any real debate. It's a low bar, oh, okay. and he doesn't pass it. Let's be kind to Vass and presume that, well, and kind of say that he, did, you know, pretend that he, he did mean overall. Uh, is, there a, is there a case that that could, that could be true? No. Michael yeah. Atherton had a win rate of 24%. Root had a win rate of 42%. David Gower had a win rate of 15%. I don't even know if yeah, he's but he had a run rate of fourteen percent. Yeah. He lost eighteen. Uh, he lost eighteen um, games out of his thirty-two. Gower. Um, yeah, ad admittedly, great. yeah, that's very poor for Gower. Admittedly, they were a poor side in a good era. I think that's definitely an excuse you can make for Atherton. Gatting, Gatting only won two matches out of his twenty-three. He did have sixteen draws. <laughs> But um, Jesus, <laughs> what? Yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> to talk, you love talking about the mental side of the game, Pearson, and uh, I think to bring you in on this, Ethan, it's probably fair to say <laughs> that there's been some mental deficiencies under in the England team while he's been as captain. Um, you know, the number of collapses they've had—it's almost become synonymous with English cricket collapses um, in his time in power. Uh, you know, 
definitely for someone who's captained the most tests, it's been a very poor run, or at least the second half of his captaincy has been. Yeah, I don't know. The mental side. Oh, yes, mental side. In, yes, we're just we're just weak, is all I think. Is all you need to do is look at Joe Root. Not Joe Weak, <laughs> Joe Root. You know what I mean. Joe Joe Root has a nervous disposition. When he's doing basic things on the field, when he's doing the toss, when he's batting, he looks nervous. The only time he doesn't look nervous is when he's raising a back because he hit a tongue. The nervousness, I think, rubbed off on the entire team. I think we need someone who's assured and can have more of a poker face. And I have hope that Ben Stokes will be that. So mental side of the game, I don't think it's solely him. I think this is a trend just in all cricket of players are increasingly not willing to be coached. I mean, this is what ousted Langer, is Langer was too aggressive in his coaching. In the same way, England disintegrated in 2013 after being the best side in the world because Andy Flower was too hard on them. I think this is just a trend. Teams are mentally weak, and Root is the epitome of that, and that's led to a scenario that we have now where we lose 10 for 50 every innings, and it's great. <laughs> I think that sums it up pretty well. Ethan, anything to add? You blame the private school sector of, of England. Of England exactly. Produce all these cricketers, put more, put more money into the, the, state, the state schools and <laughs> get, get them turf pitches. Um, yeah, it's, second, it, it, <laughs> it's always a struggle with, with these English sides. Honestly speaking, with their, their last couple of tours of Australia, I don't think it matters who their captain was. They're either losing, you know, 4-0, 4-1 or 5-0. So, I mean, there's, while, while it does matter to, to an extent who, who your captain is, some, some of the results were set in stone, I think, before I even got on the plane. Yeah, even yeah. the best... Cook can't do much with the worst meat. I don't know if that's actually a saying. <laughs> <laughs> we'll say it is. Anyway, uh, moving on to the next. I was a nice play on words with uh, Alistair Cook, actually, <laughs> as well. Oh, well, that brings us on very nicely to Vass's next um, statement, here, um, which, oh, is a, which is, again, I think a, a subtle dig uh, at England. Uh, and it's that Alistair Cook could still get a game opening for England. Again, I think pretty obvious, actually. Uh, Cook, um, um, 2,718 runs at 48 with 900 since um, he retired uh, from Test uh, in county cricket. Um, pretty good stats. Uh, Pearson, would you slot him back in at any point? I mean, look, is he good enough? Probably. But so is any batsman that's hit 12,000 Test runs. While they're still playing first-class cricket, they are probably good enough. But I think we did reach a point with Cook where it just became a bit stale. He was barely scoring runs till that final test. He didn't score runs against India prior to that test. He didn't score runs in that Ashes series before it, other than on an absolute road in Melbourne when he hit that ridiculous 240. So he'd not been in the form that I think we'd have wanted him to be for a while before that. I think we look back with rose-tinted glasses at the end of his career, to be honest, is yes, he was obviously very, very good, but he was averaging 50 in 2015 and his average dropped below 45 by the time he retired. So there is an argument to be had that he just sort of reached his expiry date. He was worn out of test cricket. Is he good enough? Probably any player that's got that many runs clearly has natural talent. 
but I think he's happy where he is now. And I don't think if he came back into the test side, he'd immediately go back to averaging 45. I think he'd struggle in a similar way to all the others have. I mean, Dom Sibley averages 60 over the last three years. He's averaging more than Coley in test cricket, but still only 28.5. That's not suggesting to me that one, a couple spurts of good county form for Cook is enough to say he would be our best player in test cricket. But yes, he has quality. He's clearly a good batsman, but you can't go back to him now. He's retired. Yeah, you've got to move on eventually, don't you, Ethan? Exactly. They hit twin twin tons, I think, last game as well, which it's always good. Best time in his first the... class career as well, though. So yeah, he's yeah, he... back to his best, supposedly. Is this more evidence <laughs> of the 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 struggles of county cricket in England, perhaps? How how to say the cricket punters? Yeah, he's going to be the next Darren Stevens. Maybe he's going to be like yeah. sixty and, and hitting tons and. Maybe start bowling as well and, and start taking fibers with his Ishant Sharma with his Ishant Sharma strangling them down the leg side. Yeah, yeah not bad. Well, Darren Stevens didn't bowl in 2005 and he's now an opening bowler in 2022. Maybe Cook will have the exact same progression. I hope so, but I'm doubtful. It is an odd thing, really, you know, in England, the players going back and playing in their county for years. On years after that, yeah, it is decided. strange. You don't see it in Australia. Has someone, you know, just you don't see it a lot in England either. There's just been a few notable examples in recent years. But I think, I mean, you should there be a ban Strauss, I don't think carried on. Peterson didn't carry on. Well, it depends. This is actually just because I think we are slowly in a segue into county cricket here. Yeah, I do think there's an interesting point to be made of. And it's the same for Sheffield Shield. It's the same for Ranji Trophy, whatever domestic tournament you want to bring up. Should it primarily be the quality of the tournament that matters or purely the yeah. development of English players or of whatever the home nation's players, their players? And I think there is an argument to be had both ways there. I think it is unfortunate, perhaps, that we have spots being taken up or did by a lot of retired England players. Tim Bresnan played for years. Stephen Finn's still opening the ball Ian for Bell. Sussex. Ian Bell retired a year ago, or two years ago, a long time after his test retirement. Strauss retired in 2019, despite stop playing tests in the 13-14 Ashes. So there are a lot of examples of this. But I think there's also the argument to be had that a lot of these 20-year-old county players need that experienced head there. Is if I, if I, from my well i have no personal experience of being in a county setup but in my mind if i were to walk into a county i'd rather pick a county that had a batsman with twelve thousand test runs to learn off of than pick a county that has 12 21 year old batsmen vying for six spots so i think there, there's positives and negatives to that and i don't think mandating that he that every batsman retire from first class after they retire from test will actually benefit the test side in any in any real tangible manner, I don't think. Yeah, that's probably fair enough to say there. Uh, before we do move on to county, Bass has given us one other one here. Uh, yeah. Crikey. He's loaded them up this week. Go no, on. He has. This one, I guess, on a bit more of a humorous note. Um, 
Scott Morrison's unbeaten record in Prime Minister's 11 games is enough reason to re-elect him. Uh, Pearson, you may agree with this one. <laughs> I, I never knew he had an unbeaten record. That's a great stat. Two nil. I wonder if any other. Two nil, apparently. And he said the <laughs> first great. Prime Minister since John Howard with a winning record in such games. Um, says, well, there, there's a track number. record of great liberals yes. having <laughs> unbeaten 11. So I wonder if Menzies is in the same boat. That's quite good. I like that. It's a very um, vast stat, isn't it? Only vast would know It's that. a very, very vast stat. It's entirely redundant, but also a very fun thing to listen to. Yeah. And i got time for that. Although I also, there's an argument to be had that I don't want his winning run to go away. So maybe he shouldn't be re-elected. Protect that unbeaten run that he's got. But Indeed. depends what the voters have to say. Maybe we should put this on the ballot boxes in the Canberra Centre where everyone's well, voting it, at the it's minute. It's something that the voter should know, don't you think, um, Ethan? Yeah, <laughs> I think so. Anything to add, Ethan? That, that, they, that, they were good wins too. That was, that, that was the time I, I thought the, the Prime Minister's eleven was the, the best Australian cricket team in the country. Me too. Certainly the one I, yeah, certainly one I was most proud of. I, I had the most faith in... <laughs> <laughs> Nick Maddinson and the Prime Minister eleven. I mean, yeah, there's there's been some some real dips in Australian cricket over the last five years, but the PM's eleven has rung strong, and uh, yeah, it's an un- unbeaten record to show for it. What, what can you ask for? Yeah, and played at played at the, the Manuka Oval, one of the best grounds in Australia, according to. Yeah. To Pearson, you know, it's a must. We really should get down to, to one of these games. What I will say is they should play more. If they've only played two games in four years, let's get more <laughs> yeah. minutes than 11 games going. They well, play I fun guess, games sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess COVID got in the way and all sorts yeah, of that is problems true. with that. Mm. Anyway, that's probably enough of that. Um, I think it's been about two months, maybe, no, I can, maybe four months since Vass last. Uh, did something on this podcast so it's good to have him back it might be another four months before he's back up again um or maybe by going by him not wanting to give his name i'm not sure what's going on with that but anyway it's time to move on to what pearson's been waiting for for a long time county cricket um we'll hand it over to you pearson but i do that with reticence because we do know how long you can talk about your favorite uh competition um what have been the big stories i guess from county cricket um well it's all gone if we're being honest pretty much as one would expect a few sides have done worse than i think were anticipated a few sides have done significantly better than was anticipated i mean looking at the table surrey are the top side of the tournament they've not lost a game yet they've won three and drawn two They have a ridiculously strong squad, if we're being honest. I know people often slate county cricket as having a poor setup. When you look at their team, they have Rory Burns opening. They have Hashim Amler at three. They have Ollie Pope at four. They have Ben Folkes at five. They have Jamie Smith, who's in the England Lions squad and recently hit an unbeaten double ton at six. They have Sam Curran. They have Jamie Overton, who bowls 90 mile an hour and really should be in the test team over Craig. They have a lot of good players. They even have two of the better young spinners that England have produced of late. So it definitely raises the question of why they haven't performed over the last few years, but it's good to see them back and performing. Um, Looking at the England players from there, Sam Curran is in as a specialist batsman at the minute because of his stress fracture. 
but is actually batting incredibly well. He's averaging about 60 at the minute, despite having never hit a ton. I would actually, as a random big call in here, say he's the best batsman in world cricket to have not hit a first-class ton with a minimum of about, I don't know, 30 games or 30 innings as a minimum. Going for the Shane Warne award, yeah. Basically, yeah. The Dick Weller's Dick, Dick Weller, I think, has overtaken Warne now, or at least they're very close. Mm. But, yeah, it's very much in that vein. Um, Hampshire's second, they're doing a Hampshire. They're solid without being spectacular. Lots of their players are performing. James Vince, as always, is doing better in county cricket than he ever will in test cricket. And there was a great moment on commentary in their most recent game when the commentator was having a real go at people for saying that he wafts outside the off stump and then the next ball he wafted outside the off stump and nicked off to second slip. And I had great fun watching that. Uh, Lancashire have a lot of players that probably should be in the England side now. I do think putting this together with England, Joe Root, well, Ben Stokes, the new England captain, has said he will bat at six and that Joe Root will bat at four. This is a change-up. They were at three and five in the most recent series in the West Indies. This presumably means Bairstow will take the number five spot. That's always up for debate, but I said Bairstow will be in the top 10 test batsmen in the world by the end of the year. So I need to stick with the fact that he's not going to get dropped from the team. But it, what it does mean is it opens a big slot at number three. Dan Lawrence is not a number three. He was in the side as a four in the West Indies. So that will be something that probably needs to be filled. And I think Lancashire's Josh Bahannon will be the one that fills that. He's been solid. He had a double hundred for them. And it's been very impressive. I think he's definitely someone to look out for for England selection. They've also had... Matt Parkinson is one of the leading spinners because he always is. He should be in the England side at the start of the test summer. They will pick Jack Leach, but they shouldn't. Um, and they've had a couple internationals. Hassan Ali has been very, very impressive for them with the ball. Weirdly, Pakistan have arguably been the biggest talking point of this tournament to date. Every Pakistani pretty much has performed at a very high standard. Two of the three highest scorers in the competition are Pakistani. Sorry, no, they're not Pujaras from India. So one of the top three. They were the same under the British We divided them and now we're uniting them again. That's what's happening. Um, but they have generally done well. Masood's been excellent. Hassan Ali's been excellent. Yeah, Hassan Ali's been excellent. To Whose jump names in. I'm forgetting. With a stack, yeah, 24 wickets um, in four matches at 18.5 for Hassan Ali. Yeah, very impressive. Not bad, though. Yeah, he's, he's impressed a lot more than I think people thought. It must be said their bowling attack of Matt Parkinson, Hassan Ali, James Anderson and Saqib Mahmood is very, very good for county cricket. It should roll teams a lot this season, although arguably all four of them will be in national sides come June. So it will be interesting to see how they cope. Um, Yorkshire, nothing to write home about except Milan and Harry Brook. Harry Brook's arguably been the breakout player of this season. He was England's under-19 captain in, I think, 2018, possibly 2020. He's always looked good. He's finally scoring runs. He's averaging about 160 at the minute. His, his, the lowest score he's gone out for all season is 84, and he's passed 50 in every single innings he's played. 
which is very, very impressive. Milan's also responded well to his axing and is averaging 70 or 80, having it 400, 500 runs. Again, now that... No, I fully agree. And I know you have a weird thing for David Milan. And I, I'm inclined to agree. And there's, this, again, a shout of Brook is a five. It makes it hard for him to get into the side. But Dawid Milan bats three. Maybe he deserves a shout. Warwickshire, nothing to write home about. I'll skip through them. Sibley just hit a ton and held his bat. I still think he's the best opener in English cricket, but we'll see if we go back to him. North Ants, no one cares. Gloucestershire have James Bracey. Was excellent. Was a shout at number three. Then managed to hit a duck as his team hit 450 for two, which is quite Holy, an impressive effort. Holy, yes. <laughs> In the, one, one, the openers hit 100 and an unbeaten 200, and the number four hit an unbeaten 75, yet he went out for a three-ball duck. Uh, Somerset, Tom Abel. I've been championing him for England captain for a long, long time. Uh, he averaged five for about 20 innings, but he's back now and averaging 50 this season, so that's good to see. Kent can't bowl, and their best batsman is supposed to be Zach Crawley, but he can't bat. There is now a claim to be made that Zach Crawley should be dropped from the test side. Oh. And I, I'm I'm genuinely in a position now, I think, where I think he should be dropped. Would either of you agree with that? Or is he still safe off the back of his like 25 average that he keeps producing? I think England is so short on openers. You just stick with someone who's had international success. Is there anything you... you... You have a, a degree of distrust with the counties that you can score big in them and not translate those runs. So I, I feel like I'd be sticking with, with, with Zach. He, he, he had a 267, so you know, that, that, that's got to count for something. Yeah, it, it, I'd be it does really cons- wanting to stick with him because from I mean, what I've I can seen- see the argument, but has he got the temperament? That's my question for you. Tom. I think he's exactly what, the temperament what- you need in England. He seems to be someone like Kevin Peterson was for you, who's different to the sort of very staid English batsman who can really go out and destroy But he doesn't score any runs. Kevin well, Peterson theory, averaged yeah. 47. Zach Crowley is averaging 17.3 in county yeah, cricket. That does count against Surely him, that's yeah. not sufficient to suggest he should be getting a test caller. I don't... I think as a basic point, Alex Lees can't be dropped after three tests you have to give him at least five tests as a run in the side from your debut. So he is safe. And I maintain Dom Sibley is the best opener in English cricket. I think by the end of his career, he will be one of the best openers in world cricket. I think he already is one of the best openers in world cricket. (laughs) No one is willing to accept this. (laughs) What I I would like to bring up to the world is he hit an unbeaten 140 odd the other day. And the majority of the runs came through the offside. He's gone away in the winter, worked on his technique, and actually learned how to score runs in other parts of the pitch that are mid-wicket. So let's get him back in the side. Div 2, not much to write home about. Weirdly, as I think Ethan might talk about later, they have better international players than Div 1 does. Why that's happening, I have no idea. Um, Manus Labashain, much to my enjoyment, has had a largely average season. He's had a couple good games. There was a remarkable game where he hit a runner ball 85 to win them a game. There was also a remarkable game the other day in which Middlesex was set 370 and 70 overs in the fourth innings and won, which is not something you see very often. Uh, Peter Hanscom hit a very impressive 80-odd for the Australian viewers. 
I know there was a headline today in Cricket Australia claiming he's in line for a yeah. test recall. I think so maybe there's something is, to that. I think he himself is claiming that. He's, yeah, he's exactly. ready. <laughs> uh, Hasib Hamid still can't score any runs, but he's remembered how to score him quickly. Weirdly, he's striking at 65 this season, which for Hasib Hamid is not normal, but he is averaging 26. But they also do have an overall quite strong team. There's a lot of opinion to be divided on Joe Clark. I won't delve into it too much, but he's score well. He's been for a long time viewed as a future England talent, but his involvement in a sexual assault case while he was at Worcestershire has meant a lot of people think it would be wrong to ever call him up again. That's definitely been a trending topic on Twitter of late, but there's rumours Rob Key is open to his selection. Other than that, there's not much in Div 2 to report. Ben Stokes hit one of the knocks for the ages. I'll let Ethan discuss that in a minute. Um, Durham have David Beddingham, who's great, but we're just waiting till 2024 for him to become English. He's still South African at the minute. Um, when he's English, we'll be a great test team again, but we can wait for that to happen. Worcestershire should be bottom. They can't bat and they can't bowl, but they're not bottom. Sussex have Tom Haynes, future England talent, want to give him more time. They've, that's where Pujara's going mental with runs. Whereas, unfortunately, Rizwan, who's batting two spots below him at number six, isn't scoring runs, which has been a surprise to me. But hopefully that changes. And that leaves Leicestershire, my team, same as always, rooted to the bottom of the second division. Really quite dramatically bad, albeit not as bad as previous years. There was a period where we went three years without winning a game, quite South Australia-esque in our poor form. But we're doing okay now. We've drawn two of our five games. We've lost the other three, but getting two draws in our first two games was a big plus. Um, Matt Parkinson's at? twin brother's there, and he's good. But other than that, not much to write home about. Who are your international players? Do you have any? Um, we're loaded with South Africans. We've got Buren Hendricks as our opening bowler. How he got signed, of all people, I have no idea. And we have, I should know this, um, what's the name? Oh, Vian Mulder. I apologise to South African viewers for butchering the pronunciation of his <laughs> first name there. But Mulder's also been a lot worse than I'd hoped. Our best player's probably been Hassan Azad. He's been good for us for a while now. But that's not enough to fix a team that can barely hit 200 and barely defend 500. So we get outclassed pretty much every game. But what can you do? And that's county cricket, I think. Yeah, well, that was a very good wrap-up, I think. Um, Ethan, lengthy, uh, you've uh, got a few things to add? Oh, we just got to talk about the, the Stokes innings, don't we? And mm. like, it's, yeah. it's, it's not often you, you, you see something like that in cricket. Speaking of other rare instances, actually, um, Pujara had the highest strike rate for his team in both of both innings of Sussex's last game, which is another rare feat. He had a he got sixteen of ten in the in the first innings, striking at one hundred and sixty. <laughs> so maybe maybe he's auditioning for an IPL contract as as well as an Indian Test place. Um, and it was one hundred and seventy not out, but a strike rate of eighty nine in the second innings. I mean that that's that's absolute quality. Um, but the, the real high strike rate champion is, is Ben Stokes with um, 161 off 88 at a strike rate of 183. Um, he hit, I think, six, 17 sixes, meaning uh, he's the first English player to hit more than 100 runs 
in sixes in a first-class innings. Perhaps what made it even more remarkable was he started being 12 off 30 and he hit 149 off his last 58 deliveries. Um, and it was just it was just carnage, really. Some 19-year-old spinner came on and he hit him for five sixes in a row. And then the last ball, agonizing, agonizingly, was a, a bounce short and went four. And, uh, yeah, that, that was probably the, the only shame in that Stokes innings, really. Um, he, he skipped the IPL to, to focus on his test cricket and he's, he's ended up, you know, trading the counties like a, a T20 comp. And clearly Div 2 and, and the grounds aren't, aren't enough for him, but it was, yeah, it was a, it was a great innings that, that you don't see that too often at all. Yeah, there was some great commentary I heard um, while we was hitting those sixes. Um, it was just like Stokes lofts it into the grandstand, into a seat, uh, just, you know, completely no excitement at all. It just became so ordinary what, what he was doing. It was an outstanding inning. Um, yeah, for me, I haven't followed it too much, but I do have to say it is, it's a great side in cricket watching the highlights of uh, um, Hassan Ali or Afridi bowling on English pitches in the county, just absolutely dominating. It is, it is one of the great sides. So. I must say. And another thing that Om Satija, who came on this podcast once, brought up um, another great site. Well, one uh, was a bit surprising to see was Joe Root um, fielding at fine leg um, on his return uh, to the game. Uh, you know, maybe maybe uh, his, his team aren't too happy with his captaincy efforts for England either. But uh, I don't know, a bit of a power move by the captain of the club to, to send him, him down there. Um, anything else on county cricket, Ethan? Uh, I think I think it's Pearson's Pearson's domain, and he's and he yeah, summed it up no. very well. It's a yeah. it's a good one to just scroll through the scorecards, look at Alsdale Cook's hundreds, and you know the lack of England openers hitting hundreds, and then just having a sense of security that England aren't that special. <laughs> okay, yeah, <laughs> couldn't have said it better myself. All right, before we wrap up for today, um, some other news. Uh, the Australian cricket schedule for 2022 and 2023 was announced. Um, obviously, the first thing coming up in um, June, starting in June, three T23 ODIs and two tests in Sri Lanka. But um, Ethan, you were just saying before we went on that there's a bit of, um, you know, a bit of talk that perhaps um, it may not go ahead because there's all sorts of issues in Sri Lanka at the moment. Maybe you could say a bit more about i haven't really been following it too closely what's going on there yeah i think some political strings have have been pulled over the last few years and, and they've got a, a big debt problem there um and i think it's really you know not to go too too technically into it but i think like the ability to import things has been compromised and it's it's gone to the levels as such that school exams have been cancelled because they don't have any paper to print stuff out on. Um, and so, yeah, there's been power cuts and um, massive lines at petrol stations and all that all that sort of thing. So, um, you know, there have been some protests and some political changes recently. So that it, it might impact Australia's ability to tour there. I think Cricket Australia still remains confident that they can get something going. Uh, you, you, but, you know, they might not be able to print any any scorecards, might have to do that electronically. But I'm still hopeful we'll get some cricket there because um, it would be good to, to see Australia in the subcontinent again and see if Pat Cummins can get a bit of a, an Asian dynasty going. Mm. Yeah, not, not good to hear. We've, 
Australia seems mm. to have a be having a bit of a bad run with causing well not causing but having political issues going on while they're happening because in while they're in Pakistan we had some drama over there with Imran Khan also too so uh yeah hopefully it still goes ahead uh, but then after that we've got the even more exciting series um in August uh back in Australia against Zimbabwe uh, for three ODIs, very much looking forward to that. I'm not sure where they're going to be played. Uh, Wait, did you presume... say in August? Yeah, I presume maybe up in. Why are we <laughs> playing in winter? Well, you know they used to How do weird. that, like play global up global warming. Yeah, but I thought, yeah. but I thought, <laughs> sure. But I thought, I thought, I thought the argument was there was too much fixture congestion. How does yeah. that lead to a position where we play in the August? I'm not sure yeah. I like that. I'm yeah. happy they're playing smaller nations. And we can yeah. get our good friend Elliot Cook on to have a chat about it. But in the meantime, I don't think it's a necessary fixture. Wait and do that instead of, I don't know, someone in November. Yeah. I well, I well, presume they then... won't be down in Melbourne and Sydney, I don't think, because, you know, normally those... So where, where are they going to play? Well, Just I think they used to, back in, like, back in the early 2000s, they used to play a couple in Darwin and Cairns, up north. I'd like to see things. some Darwin games. Mm. I do. Yeah. I'm also. I'd be curious to see what side Australia put out for that. Admittedly, half of them will be missing for the hundred, but those that are here, I do wonder if it'll be a full strength test side or whether they'll go for a weakened team. Yeah, That'll be it. an interesting watch, even if you do whitewash them quite comfortably. Yeah, um, and then we're playing New Zealand in September. I think it looks like straight mm -hmm. after that with three ODIs. Also, in New Zealand or in Australia um no hosting so yeah in australia somewhere okay um then that three watching series yeah then we go back to india for three t or not back to india we go to india for three t20s in september then we're hosting the west indies in england for six t20s in october then we've got the world cup so <laughs> a lot of cricket um to look forward to then hosting england again for three odis in november uh before two tests against the West Indies and three tests against South Africa. Um, and then after that, going to India um, for our series over there. So we've got a big, a lot of cricket coming up. That's uh, well, sure. My, my, I got one complaint. There was way too much white ball cricket without any red ball cricket in between. Is yeah. I reckon you reeled off at least 30 white ball games there. I am pleased we have what sounds like three back-to-back-to-back -to -back -to -back test series with West Indies, South Africa, India. But yeah. prior to that, the fact that there's nothing between, what, between yeah. July and November, December is slightly underwhelming, if you ask me. Well, I think it's I think it's because the New Zealand series in September, I presume that's the one that was going to happen earlier on this year, or um, mm. but got postponed because of COVID. Oh, of course, I forgot that series existed. Yeah, yeah, yeah that that'll I think be the a one, few other of course. them are like that also. So trying to catch up but um means a bit of world cup prep as well just some yeah. warm-up games and all, yeah. all the way to india for three t20s good it's good yeah. thing there's no quarantine geez please i know yeah talk about climate change taking the trip out there <laughs> just for that it can't be good uh, so we're gonna have more more games in august and maybe even july if we keep flying flying over to india for three t20s <laughs> yeah it's always a, a positive that's for sure um but uh yeah plenty for us to to talk about um in that period for sure um okay well if you guys don't have anything else to say i think we're just about done from this week uh thanks for being on again it's been good to come on for two weeks in a row good good string of form here 
yeah. We'll see if we yeah, can... I'm not sure whether we'll get a third, but we can try. <laughs> I'm relying on you to organise it, Ted. So let's see what yeah. happens. We'll see. We'll see if this streak goes on as long as some of Joe Root's losing streaks. Uh, anyway, on that oy, note... oy, oy, oy. <laughs> there was one losing streak. Yes, it was 17 tests long, but it was once. Before that, we were good. Uh, anyway, well, we'll be back next week, um, hopefully. Uh, but for now, thank you all for listening. Goodbye.